Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us. This is From the Newsroom, the podcast presented by the Holland Sentinel staff. I'm Digital Director uh, Brian Vernalis. I'm joined today by our editor, Sarah Leach. Hello. Hello, Sarah. Sitting to my left, on my right, political reporter Arpan Lobo. Hey, Brian. Arpan, thank you for being here. Uh, this was Arpan's idea. He was at a very interesting event last night. He was in uh, Forest Hills. Covering, let me make sure I get this title right because it's quite a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> the Kent County Trump 2020 Grassroots Leadership Team. Wow. That, <laughs> you really got to yeah, you gotta <laughs> come up with an acronym for that or something. Uh, they, held, they hosted several uh, GOP candidates last night uh, in a forum setting. Arpan, you were there. Uh, how many candidates were there? It seemed like it was a democratic debate because of how many candidates were. <laughs> yeah. So orig- it ended up being six candidates, but okay. originally it was only planned to be four, kind of the four main contenders, we think, for that Republican uh, spot to challenge for the third district, which is currently held by Justin Amash, who used to be a Republican. The but, Republican uh, formerly known the as. The Republican formerly known <laughs> as Justin Amash. Um, but uh, as, as it's been well documented, he's left the party uh, right. sort of on that pro-impeachment train. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's been kind of a uh, – I said a bevy of challengers in the story. There's been, there's been quite a few. Uh, so six of them were there last night. It was originally supposed to be four, but then I guess two – Candidates reached out to um, the debate hosts. I'm not going to try and repeat all that. The uh, Kent County Trump 2020 grassroots leadership team? You mean? Yes. Those <laughs> okay. were the ones. Um, they reached out to them and said they would like to get on the debate. Uh, according to an MLive story, I believe Grand Rapids Press, um, they were the first ones to kind of break that this was happening. One of the candidates wasn't chosen just because he wasn't well known. And another one of the candidates wasn't chosen because they thought he was a libertarian. <laughs> um, and that I'll get into more of that yeah, as we go the on. nuances. But last night there were six candidates uh, going off the list. We had Pete Meyer, Peter Meyer. He doesn't go by Pete Meyer. I just call him that for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Sorry about that. <laughs> Peter Meyer, who is the son of the current Meyer CEO and the uh, grand grandson or great-grandson of the Meyer founder, uh, state rep Lynn Affendoulis. She represents Grand Rapids Charter Township and uh, other parts of that area. Uh, Tom Norton, who is a former village uh, council president in Kent County. Joel Langloy, who owns and operates the Grand Rapids Delta Plex, where is where uh, certain events happen, like the Grand Rapids Drive. They play their basketball games there. Didn't Trump go to the Delta Plex? He, he has been okay. in the Delta yeah. Plex, and okay. that is a major talk. So this makes sense, right? Yeah, that's a major uh, you know talking point for, for Langloy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about how he's been a supporter of uh, President Trump's from the very beginning. And then uh, Andrew Jackson Willis, who is a pastor at a Wyoming church. And then Joe Farrington, who's from Ionia, which is kind of why we're into this 
race is because Ionia is a part of this congressional district. He is a business owner, used to be a school teacher. Uh, now he owns a bar in Ionia. So those were the six there last night. The kinds of issues they touched on were a wide-ranging uh, kind of experience. Different things like border security, reproductive rights, uh, healthcare costs, reducing national debt, things along those lines were brought up. And as we've said before, this was put on by the Trump grassroots leadership team. Right. This was not a Kent County GOP proper uh, event. This was put on by a I don't know if it's a subcommittee. I don't know what their affiliation there is, but I know that there's kind of two separate things. I don't know if they're underneath this. I'll have to double check that. But I know that this is a specific group that's kind of geared towards reelecting President Trump next year. So it wasn't particularly a sanctioned event from the Ottawa County GOP or Kent County GOP. Not to my knowledge. Okay. I know that it's, it was a specific um, group because the Kent County GOP, right. their headquarters is right in downtown Grand Rapids yeah. as soon as you get past uh, – yep. You know, the YMCA right downtown, you yep. see it. Um, this And it just says Ken GOP. There's not the specifics there. So there are also a couple of other sponsor groups like Teens for Trump and the Kent County Young Republicans. Um, so as, as we got into it, it was kind of a thing where instantly you could tell that all of these candidates were aligned with the president. Uh, certainly the only exception, I would say, is Joe Farrington, um, the, the late entry he differed on two key uh, points at the very end. He came out as a pro-choice uh, candidate. That was not very popular. Mm-hmm. And then he said that he disagreed with President Trump's t- decision to exit the Paris Climate Accord Agreement. And that was also very unpopular. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone in the crowd yelled, go to a Democrat forum. Yeah. <laughs> Something well, like I, that. It I, was. I tweeted a video. It's, it's in the story. It wasn't very well received. Was he there intentionally or do you think uh, he was there merely to get a reaction out of people? No, I think he was there intentionally. So uh, it, it's funny that we're talking about him now uh, just because he ran in 2018. He just didn't get, have enough uh, petitions to get on the ballot. Mm-hmm. So it, this isn't the first time he's tried to run for Congress. Um, I check the FEC uh, website today. He, he doesn't have any campaign finance listings there. So I don't know if he's officially filed yet, but they let him go on and mm-hmm. he spoke, got as much uh, talking time as the other candidates. But it was very clear that he was not well received in that room. Now that room is full of probably furthest to the right yeah, in terms of deep, deeply conservative, deeply yeah. conservative voters. And yes, that makes up a part of the district but it's not the entire district so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if whether or not he can kind of get his message out there and build some real momentum because he's going against in this primary at least some uh powerful financial uh, uh kind of fundraisers who do you think stood out from that group of six who do you think resonated the most with the the attendees so in that room i think that tom norton who uh we we've written about him before in our mm-hmm. aonia paper for a couple of reasons, uh, there were certain things that he's done, certain language put out by his campaign that some might find offensive. So we've written about that in the past. Um, but in that room, the things he said, people – he was very well received. Uh, he spoke about not wanting to – he spoke about wanting to make abortion completely illegal and removing Roe v. Wade, uh, which is something that is – kind of uh, hotly contested across the country right now. And he spoke about how abortion is one of the worst things that takes place in America. Um, he mentioned that he he kind of targeted transgender individuals and he, he spoke about how 
he spoke about how he didn't want um, transgender individuals to use the same bathroom as his daughter. Uh, he said some weird thing about they're coming into the bathroom and they're beating the tar <laughs> out of like you know people. I, I didn't what? get it. I I I. I it's one of those things where if, if you're a reporter in this situation, I yeah. tweeted this out last night because I was just, I was just a stream. Yeah. My Twitter feed was just a stream <laughs> of consciousness. I, you were flying last I, night. I, I didn't. I it didn't was a ha- journey. <laughs> I didn't have the time to kind of elaborate and, and put context and, to things and put yeah. context to things. So I tweeted that out. I'll be like, hey, I'm not fact checking this as I go. I, this is literally just what they're saying, yeah. you know, because I think that's important too. Because if we give, uh, if we as reporters in a media outlet. If we give anybody a microphone without properly kind of addressing it, mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of not, you know, fair right. or the right thing to do. So I wanted to make sure that when I was tweeting those things out, I kind of prefaced it by saying, hey, take this with a grain of salt. This right. is literally just what they're saying. Right. He um, also had a comment before the event really got started, didn't he, when uh, the Pledge of Allegiance and National Anthem? Was that him that had that uh – <laughs> it was brought up the GVSU. It thing. was not uh, uh, one of the candidates that brought okay. up the uh, Grand Valley State University. Their student senate voted um, to remove the Pledge of Allegiance from their uh, regular meeting agendas, and that wasn't very popular from certain alumni and donors. So the student senate, I guess, made an executive decision to just put it back on the uh, agenda. They didn't vote over it or anything, but that had already passed by the time. Yeah. This is we're recording on Tuesday. This was a Monday night thing. Yeah. So they before the pledge, uh, Mike Farage, who's the chair of the uh, Trump grassroots team, made a point to uh, say that liberal universities are assaulting the uh, freedom uh, listed in the Pledge of Allegiance. And he also made sure to say that the Pledge of Allegiance protects the unborn when it says liberty and justice for all as well. Okay. And I thought someone mentioned uh, this isn't Ann Arbor. This isn't. That was actually, there was a GVSU student senator in attendance. Farage made sure to point him out. He got a standing ovation. He was very popular. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I believe he said, you know, this isn't Ann Arbor. This isn't New York. This isn't Berkeley. This is West Michigan. And we have values. Something along those lines. Uh, It was was interesting. Um, Going back to the candidates, though, I think it was clear that most of these candidates agreed on most of what they said, like I said, Farrington was an outlier. But in terms of like Peter Meyer, uh, Lynn Affendulis, uh, Tom Norton, they all agreed for the most part. The only things that they kind of differed on were maybe their approach. Uh, I know Joel Langloy made it a point to say that there's too much executive overspending. He said that he would go as far as get ri- getting rid of the Department of Education, getting rid of the VA, wow. yeah. and saying that uh, veteran health care should be privatized. And um, – it was something where it resonated with the other candidates. Both Tom Norton and uh, Meyer are both Army veter- or veterans. I, I'm not sure what branch uh, Tom Norton served in. Um, but they, they both made it a point to be like, yes, the VA is a mess. We need to address these uh, problems because mm-hmm. our, our for- military members aren't getting the proper uh, health care that they need. And so Langloy made it a point to say we should privatize this. And Tom Norton agreed with that saying, yes, everybody should have the choice. Um, it wasn't you – know, Medicare for all wasn't brought up. But if you pay attention to the Democrat debates or listen to the podcast that Audra and I do about those, you'll know we talk about Medicare for all mm-hmm. and how that's kind of a big thing in the uh, for the Democratic Party right now. It's definitely not – it wasn't even touched on last night. And in fact, they went in the opposite direction last night. 
our pen, you talked about um, Roe v. Wade. There was another point that came up. Um, I think it was uh, Republican Lin, or uh, Representative Lynn um, Effendulis. Thank you, mm-hmm. who mentioned um, defunding Grand Valley after their Pledge of Allegiance fiasco. Um, I don't know if anybody guys want to hop in on this, but there's there's protocol that you know there's a constitution that people have to abide by here. Um, what's your guys' take on something like that? Uh, that just can't happen overnight. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that that people tend to lose sight of, especially when they get wrapped up into in the hype of a rally where they're amongst like-minded people. It can tend to get a little bit into echo chamber territory. Well, where And this is on both sides. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're, we definitely see this on both sides. Uh, we see this a lot, you know, with some of the, the democratic debates that, that Arpan and, um, and Audra have podcasted about. Um, I think that people lose sight of what realistically uh, can change and then also how it changes. Um, defunding Grand Valley is not really an option. It's, it's, it's mandated in the state constitution that public universities had to be funded by the state. Uh, that's not something that, that the state legislature can just, you know, um, snap their fingers. Yeah. 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 So I, I think, um, I think that, that people who are, Looking at these candidates in, in all races, really, they really need to kind of keep in mind, you know, does it sound realistic that that would be, if that was like such an easy thing to do, wouldn't that have already been done? Uh, you know, Roe v. Wade is another thing that was, that was a Supreme Court decision um, over 40 years ago. And so the, the Congress can't just get together and call a simple vote and, and then just undo a Supreme Court decision. So it's, it's, um, there's a lot of logistics involved. And I think that voters who are attracted to some of the messaging that these campaigns and, and their people are putting out, you have to stop and think about, is it actually possible to achieve the things that they're saying that they're going to achieve? Because right now, in this part of the election cycle, they're just pandering to the base. They're trying to secure... The, the, the primary um, so that they can be the, the, the representative representing their party so that they can get to the general election. And then things tend to change at that point. That's a dangerous road to go down, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, it's interesting when Arpan was talking about the – what was the, the one candidate that, that seemed like the outlier that was almost like a Democrat wandered in? Yeah, <laughs> Joe, Joe Farrington. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean – Brian and I are old enough to remember that that there were candidates once upon a time that were that were fiscally conservative but socially progressive. Um, it's almost like a unicorn nowadays. I haven't seen one in a long time with the national discourse where where it's at right now. But um, so you can see how things have ch- have changed over time, um, where 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 moderates are basically not really welcome in either uh, party for events like this. Arpan, from this evening. Did anything surprise you? Did anybody, uh, anything said or um, any topic that they uh, discussed surprise you? Well, so going into it, I, I knew it was going to be a very partisan evening. This was yeah. a, and it, for them, it's a friendly environment. Right. This isn't something where maybe they talk in a certain situation where they, maybe they, they change their rhetoric. They knew they were in a safe crowd. Uh, so I wouldn't say anything surprised me. Nothing that came up surprised me either because things like reducing national spending um, and eliminating government overreach and uh, protecting uh, the reproductive rights of the unborn, those are traditional talking points. Uh, right. 
further uh, for, for some conservative uh, voters and candidates. Um, it'd be one thing if, for example, it were a general debate and Justin Amash and a Democratic candidate and one of these guys is on stage and they're talking the, in the exact same fashion. I don't think that would happen. Uh, like, like I think Sarah mentioned that you know the rallying their base. It's it's a good point because certain things that they can get away with in that room that they wouldn't be able to in other rooms. Right. Um, I don't think, and uh, given the uh, there, because uh, there were uh, Michigan Radio and M and the Grand Rapids Press uh, were both in attendance as well, um, and I believe Fox Seventeen was there, uh, maybe some other outlets as well. Mm-hmm. But it was a thing where, okay, if, if Tom Norton's going to say that transgender people are beating the tar out of people in bathrooms, I don't know if he could say that on a more – in a different room. Right. You know, it's one thing for, for us to put it in stories uh, or to take a snip and publish it. But it's another thing for a voter who doesn't align with him to hear that. I didn't see it in the story, but did you happen to talk to any of the supporters that were there? You know, uh, I got there at about 630 and it filled up pretty quickly. I There were tables for um, each candidate. And on my way out, because I, uh, I was trying to take a picture of the, the – there was a sign that said, Keep America Great instead of Make America Great. That's the slogan right. for the 2020 campaign. But on top of it, it said, like, Make Liberals Cry. So before it started, I tried <laughs> to get out and take a photo of that. And on my way back in, someone tried to hand me, like, a, you know, a flyer or a pamphlet. And I, I told them. I was like, hey, I'm a media member. And they were like, oh, you know – we're very glad you're coming. And I believe they were with the Langlois campaign. Okay. And they, they gave me a, another – the flyer is for a support the president rally. It's going to have another Deltaplex. So it must be nice just to have like an automatic <laughs> home base for rallies. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't get much of a reaction from, from the crowd other than that. He was just talking about uh, – he's like, oh, we're really excited to do this. We're really excited to support the president. We're, they, their, their slogan is uh, – make congress great again okay it's um you might have heard it before uh, <laughs> um but i it wasn't something where I, last night I was, I was trying to get out of there so i uh, uh didn't really talk to anybody in the crowd i ran into um state rep mary whiteford on my way out she was um uh in attendance and i, I spoke to her for a little bit and she told me she she thought it was a really interesting thing she thought there was um, a lot of good stuff brought up so um, she represents her 80th state district, so that's Allegan County, including the yeah. little portion of Holland that's in Allegan. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of people are looking at this race because it's got a lot of interesting factors to it. I mean, Justin Amash has been uh, featured on the national stage over the past couple of months. He he broke fr- from the party rank and file. He he defected to being from yeah. a Republican to an independent. Um, so then now that he's up for re-election, he's been very vocal about his support of uh, following constitutional rules and conduct. And he um, has said that, well, listen, I, I applied these things to Obama. I'm going to apply them equally to President Trump, regardless of party affiliation. And some people don't like that. And so that's what's opened up this race. This race is wide open in a lot of ways. It's kind of like a microcosm of what, like what's going to happen in the presidential election. You got... You know, all of these uh, Republicans vying for the Republican nomination. Uh, Amash is running as an independent. You, how many Democrats do we have? So currently there there are uh, two Democrats that have kind of put themselves in a position to be uh, – they're the contenders for that primary mm-hmm. vote. Yeah. Um, there's Hillary uh, Scholten or Scolton. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Yeah. She is an immigration attorney based out of Grand Rapids. And then there's 
Uh, Nick Colvin, he is a uh, economic policy attorney. Um, he's an Ionia native, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I believe, his he does work out of Grand Rapids, Lansing, and Detroit. He's from Saranac. Yeah. Um, so those are the two ones. And uh, I know that there's a couple other people that are registered. But if you look at the fundraising numbers, they don't seem like they're in strong contention for this race. Right. Um, both. Uh, Sholden and uh, Colvin have both raised over close to $250,000 to this point, And that's uh, pretty comparable with the, with most of the Republicans uh, that we talked about earlier. Right. I think that with, with so much attention that, that Amash has put on himself with some of the, the statements that he's put out be, being the rare bird that is willing to be critical of the president, even though he's a conservative um, has put so much attention on this race that, this really is going to be, uh, as we follow it all the way up to Election Day, I think that we're going to have a really good indication of how Michigan is going to go in, in the presidential um, election. And, you know, we're obviously a very key swing state. We've got Vice President Pence coming through uh, tomorrow. He's going to make a stop in Holland. Um, there's a lot of attention on on this state. And, and you can see, like, what's in play. You're going to – voters will not be able to say that they don't have a choice. I mean, they have right. they have so many choices. They've got you know, <laughs> do you do you want to stay with sort of like the the rebel conservative who who just happens to be an independent? Do you want to maybe go more progressive because Grand Rapids is so diverse in its demographics that you're really not. We honestly don't have any indication as to how this race is going to go. Yeah, you know, it's a traditionally red district, but because now you're going to have a, a three way vote, yeah, uh, it could turn into a thing. And, and Justin Amash, even though he's came out in favor of impeachment, he's extremely conservative. He might be the most conservative right. member of Congress. Yeah, he was a member of the Freedom Caucus, yeah, which was, was part of one the, of the Tea founding Party members. wave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, came in with that Tea Party wave. He's extremely conservative. Right. He's just constitutionally reads it to a T. Yeah. So, you know, the Constitution No exceptions is, regardless no of party. No exceptions right. regardless of party. So that could be a thing where if, you know, those... The voters in Kent County, in Ionia County, Barry County, that see that, okay, he's still conservative, but he maybe stands up to the president, mm-hmm. that could appeal to them. It mm-hmm. could go in the opposite direction. You right. know, they're tired of someone that's not, they don't feel is representing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if those, if the traditionally conservative voters get split, that could open the door for a Democrat to come in and take right. the district. It's, right. it's, it's very, really anybody's game. It's, yeah. It, it's <laughs> something where, um, if you had told me, because you know, I think I started here in April, right? If you had told me that this district would possibly open up for a Democrat, I would have said, "No, you're lying." Yeah, yeah. No one could have predicted what where we're at right now. The irony is so thick. I know <laughs> that a guy like Amash, who is a strict constitutionalist, yeah, yeah, is might lose out, <laughs> right? <laughs> because he's not you because know. he's not constitutionalist enough. <laughs> Or maybe the voters aren't constitutionalist uh, enough. Maybe that's not their biggest priority. It's not. Their well, four years ago, when it, or eight years ago, when the Tea Party came on the scene, it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we live in a topsy turvy world. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, when, uh, uh, Sarah's lunch is getting cold, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask this question, uh, before, and we'll wrap it up. Do you guys think Amash will win uh, win the election? Do you think he'll be back in his in his seat? So. I, you know, and I'm cheating a little bit because I have the numbers right in front of me. But if I'm looking at the fundraising uh, figures for this, the people in this district, currently Justin Amash has a slight advantage over uh, Peter Meyer in terms of um, total 
contributions, and that, that right. includes prior cycles. If you look at if you break it down by state, the number the the amount of money that Justin Amash has coming in from Michigan in these um, in terms of individual contributions is forty eight thousand. Um, Peter Meyer has two hundred seventy six thousand. We'll call we'll round up two hundred seventy six thousand in contributions from the state of Michigan, and we know that includes uh, some pretty big donors here yeah. in Holland as well that have traditionally backed the Mosh. Yeah, uh, they defected. Yeah. Looking at um, that, looking at a certain you know families that left the Mosh, right? And are the now, DeVosses and Princess for yeah. those who yeah. don't know, right? Yeah. Um, and, a, and a couple others as well. They're, they're throwing their money. So if that money, and again, that's out of district as well. Mm-hmm. But if there's more money in district going towards a certain candidate, it bodes well. Um, However, we have seen that be a non-factor in our own Holland mayoral election where um, the incumbent outraised the challenger by more than double and um, still lost. And had, yes, I also backed by out of area um, funding big donors. Yes, I, I would. I, I, it's not. <laughs> I'm, ju- a, I'm just saying it. It's not I that it doesn't your happen. Point, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't say it's as clean as a as a comparison, but right. I, I see the parallel there. Uh, so course. if you if the election were happening today, who do you think would win? Oh, if it were happening today, so you're asking me to pick. Uh, just Republican today, we don't winner, know what's going to happen tomorrow. If, pick a Democrat winner, yeah. and then pick oh, overall yes. winner. Well. So looking at the Republican primary, I just say Meyer's financial backing um, is, is pretty, I think he's the nominee. Yeah. 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 So I, I would go with him. I would probably say at this moment, I think Hillary Shulton probably wins the Dem nominee. I tend to lean in the, in the party that or in the in the toward the possibility that the vote gets split among conservative voters and a Democrat could win. So honestly, if you tell if you ask me who I think is going to win today, I would say a Democrat. But this is. I know it's it's blasphemy for for the, for the third <laughs> district, but I could also see we get into a point where maybe the state and uh, national Republican Party realize this, and I'm sure they're planning for it, mm-hmm. um, and that they kind of throw their weight even like further. So, well, all right. So if you're putting if you're putting me on the spot, I'm going to go with Peter Meyer, but. Uh, like I said, it, it's it's literally you could ask me something in 30 minutes, I might change my mind. Yeah. Stay tuned, Sarah. If the election were to happen today, yeah. I would say that Justin Amash holds a seat. I agree. Two to one I'm not, over our pan. <laughs> no ex- explanation. No, it's. I, I just. I think you know the the power of the incumbency is is strong, um, especially on a national stage, and I think that he is unique in the fact that he's going to attract a lot of moderates who aren't going to want to go with an unknown. And somebody who is willing to vote their conscience and not just through party affiliation. I think that that is wildly attractive to a lot of disenfranchised conservatives right now. Yeah. Today. Uh, But who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I would tend to agree with that uh, on many levels, except if the last four years have shown us anything <laughs> as people are fickle and they, yeah. they'll be, you know, well, that's why I'm not, I'm not taking this vote tomorrow. <laughs> You're not going out to Vegas and yeah. dropping 50 on a yeah, If, if it, when it gets closer, we can, uh, we can, we can do a, a friendly wager. <laughs> I, I don't think, I, I think there's some ethics things there 
Uh, not lunch on me, our pants. Not, not, well, not only that. <laughs> it's I mean, getting like, cold. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a voter in this district, so it's, it's something. <laughs> oh, so we can sway you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I think that might be a problem too. But um, it's something that, as a voter in this district, it, it, every and I'm someone that's plugged in and seeing all this. I, I bet people nine yeah. or nine months out from a primary are still kind of just don't. Yeah, kind of on the periphery. I think as we right. get closer. It'll be more fair to ask, okay, where do we think this race yeah. is going to go? I don't. I just don't think that there's enough momentum in the in the GOP or the the Democratic challengers yet to really um, seriously threaten Amash yet. But yes, there's nine months. And on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. On behalf of our Pan Lobo and Sarah Leach, I'm Brian Vernalis. Thank you all for listening. Sarah, go eat your lunch and whatever <laughs> drink is out there. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on From the Newsroom. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.